At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This episode of Into the Night is brought to you by our loyal listeners and followers. Fazbear Entertainment appreciates your viewership and those who support the show by commenting, sharing, and subscribing. If you wish to support this broadcast, please consider checking out the official merch store and Patreon for more information. This episode is a continuation of our Security Breach audiobook series. If you have not seen the beginning, you can start at episode 26, titled Security Breach, to get the full context of the series up to this point. Black when the lights are out. You think the pizza plexed to the window somewhere? Alright, the last year we need to fix should be up here. Uh, so, can, can I ask why are there generators in the place structures? Huh? I, I mean, it's already weird for a place like this to have generators, but it just seems like a weird place to put them. You know, here, where the kids are playing. <laughs> Does anything about this place make sense? All right, here we are. Want to take a swing the last one? Uh, oh, sure. Uh, so, you don't think anything is weird about the generators being here? Well, when this place is filled with screaming kids, the superstar daycare is like a carnival. Kids go up climbing structures, run across rope bridges, and dive into ball pits. And instead of having 24-7 daycare attendants, the company thought a fantastic idea was to have an animatronic oversee the place. Having the lights continuously go out all the time and terribly placed generators seem like small nitpicks in the grand scheme of things, don't you think? Oh, uh, you're going to want to tighten that screw. Oh, thanks. So, what's the story then behind the lights going out? <laughs> After the daycare was completed, the designers realized there was a flaw in the lighting plan. It wasn't a fire hazard, nothing dangerous like that, just an issue of darkness. The easiest and cheapest fix was to install backup generators. They decided that five of them strewn across the daycare would cover all the lighting systems in the vicinity. But once they came to that conclusion, all the installations were in place. So the only place left to conceal the generators from the public was inside the play structures. <laughs> Even ignoring the fact that they're fixing a power system and a net equipment for a three-year-old, that doesn't seem very safe for guests. Neither does an animatronic attendant that turns mean when the lights go out. Yeah, what's up with that daycare attendant anyway? <sighs> that robot was an old stage animatronic. It was supposed to perform shows in the Fazbear Theater, right over there, across from the daycare before this was built. I'm not sure if it ever performed, though. That was before my time. You see, part of its theatrical shtick was transforming when the lights go out and heckled the audience. When it was reprogrammed to be the daycare attendant, the performance functions were taken out, but the lights out trigger couldn't be removed along with the personality shift. Not only would he transform into his moon persona, but he'd also change his personality drastically. What, so the thing is the robotic equivalent of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Oh, do I tighten these bolts as well? Eh, kind of like that. And yeah, you can tighten those. Apparently they had meetings of what to do with it, and corporate decided that removing the lights out mode was more trouble than it was worth. Instead, the cheaper solution was just to make sure the lights stay on 24-7. As for her team, seems really preoccupied with figuring out cheap solutions to major problems. Well, it's like they say, cutting corners is just good business. Alright. Done. Now, what do I do with those loose wires? Oh, jeez. Oh, Sorry, Preston. We need to reroute those before we tighten that connection you just did. You're going to have to undo those bolts. Oh. No problem, Abe. I'm sorry, Preston. I'm just a little distracted. Whoa! Oh my god! Knock, knock. It's past your bedtime. Abe, how do I reroute the thing? You undo the conduits? Yeah, yeah, that's all good. Here, let me show you a trick to get this done quickly. 
A little something I taught myself when I first took the job. You see, it'll bypass the grounding wires. See? Thanks, Abe. That trip of yours is pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks, Preston. Alright, let's get out of here. Even the lights on this place gives me the creeps. This is episode 29, Moondrop. It took Gregory a little bit longer than he would have preferred to locate a path to the help desk. The help desk entrance in the lobby was barred with automatic security gates and, unlike the turnstiles before, it couldn't be unlocked by his lobby pass. Freddy informed him that there was a self-service machine that could upgrade his ticket there, which made the barrier all the more frustrating, but it was currently the only solution he had if he wanted to stay on the move against the hostile Glamrock animatronics, as well as Vanessa. Using the cameras on his fast watch, Gregory was able to discover a hidden stairwell that led to the self-service desk. It was located inside the coffee shop on the second floor of the lobby's promenade, referred to as the fast pad, just right above the help desk. The shop was devoid of the usual neon decor he had begun to associate with the pizzaplex, instead taking on a more traditional coffee house look. Wooden floors and wall panels matched the colors of the various coffee beans used to make those bitter tasting concoctions adults drank. Quickly making his way there, he descended the stairs to the first floor where two doorways greeted him, each with a blue thunderbolt design on them reminiscent of Freddy's lightning chest tattoo. The blue door facing the stairs, with the words lost and found written above it, was locked, seemingly this time by a key instead of an electronic security system. But the orange door adjacent to the stairwell opened freely, finally revealing the help center of the pizzaplex to Gregory. Looking around the gated off room, it was painted in a similar color to Chica's pink highlights, with various rope stained shown pathways darting the area to various self-service counters that would have been in constant use when the pizza plug was open. Deeper into the room was a wall of lockers that guests could run out for the day if they were too lazy to carry their valuables on them. Scanning the area, Gregory was able to locate the ticket upgrade machine tucked away in the corner of the room. It was a small terminal, behind the main service counter, made to look like Freddy's head. Top hat, bow tie, and all. He hurriedly ran towards it while getting his pass out. Looking up at the terminal screen, he saw Helpy, a small chippy version of Glamrock Freddy but with white fur and purple highlights instead of orange and blue. He was kind of like Fazbear Entertainment's equivalent of those annoying chatbots you encounter on websites, asking if you need assistance on the most basic of tasks like you're five years old. Luckily for Gregory, Helpy was instructing users on how to upgrade their tickets by inserting them into a side slot in the machine. Gregory followed his instructions, not seeing any other problems for payment, and allowed the machine to take his pass. He waited a few moments for it to release to take it back to him, but the machine was holding his ticket hostage. Freddy, I need your help. It ain't my pass! Gregory sighed in frustration and was about to curse under his breath, but his spine immediately straightened at the sudden sound of clanking metal and spinning wheels. Gregory softly moved to the entrance blocked by a diamond pattern security gate and peered through to the lobby. Circling the golden glam rock for statue was a staff bot, wielding a flashlight and wearing a black Fazbear security hat and badge. It was an obvious result of Fazbear Entertainment cutting down on their security to one human, Apparently, they had to convert some of their staff bots into the equivalent of the mice droids from Star Wars. Or, at the very least, they had the brains of mice given his interaction with them. Gregory paused to think. Replaying the events of when he encountered the mop bot, he recalled how even when making tons of noise, the robot didn't seem to notice him. 
Sure, it looked in his direction, but it didn't seem to care about something that wasn't part of his current tasks. Unlike the Glamrock animatronics, the AI of the staff bot appeared to be pretty rudimentary. Even their voices sounded like Fast Entertainment stole a text-to-speech device from some random website and Frankenstein stitched it into their programming. I am looking for intruders. And just by observing the security bot, his theory seemed to be self-evident. It was constantly going in circles around the ornate Freddy statue in the middle of the lobby, occasionally doing a stationary 360 spin. But watching it closely, Gregory started to notice a pattern in its movements. The bot was on a pathway, and where it spun around to check its surroundings were always at the same locations. It never changed its pattern and never went beyond the area it was clearly designated to search. Gregory smiled as a plan formed in his head, but first, he needed to test something. He pressed a button on the wall, in the shape of Freddy's head, and quickly guessed that it opened up the gates to the help center. It made the sound of a roller coaster clicking away at its chains as it pulled itself up, but Gregory's entire focus was on watching the security bot as the gate moved, and as he expected, the robot didn't even react. He continued to remain patient and wait for it to pass by him again, patrolling another loop around the statue, and Gregory was again correct in guessing that the robot didn't even react to the help desk now being opened. Instead, it continued on down its predetermined pathway. I am a security officer. Gregory decided he had enough information and decided to make his move. He started to stalk behind it on its patrol, careful to stay far enough away if it decided to do another stationary circle. When he could, he veered off to the deactivated escalators, no longer caring about making noise and instead focusing solely on not getting too close to any security bot's gaze. He couldn't tell how good their vision was. They were clearly short-sighted, but how close he could get to them before they sounded an alarm or tried to capture him, he could not tell. Perhaps it was based on the flashlights that held, and if he was caught in their spotlight, then they would finally notice him. Passing by various photo booths and small, quarter-operated toddler rides in the shape of rockets, Gregory was able to weave his way into Glamrock Gifts on the second floor, avoiding the light of a patrol bot doing a figure-eight pattern in between the various merchandise tables. Gregory was able to reach the first floor where it was left unguarded by any security bots. He began searching for anything he could use to break into the upgrade terminal. What he found was two things. Jack and Squat. Glamrock Gifts was filled with plushies, candies, and cheap plastic toys. Nothing here was helpful to him in the slightest. He was beginning to think that maybe the Lost and Foundy Pass would be a better foraging spot. That was until he spotted a small present on a table at the back of the room. He recalled that the lobby pass marketed a free prize from Glamrock Gifts, and this could have been it. He rushed towards it and opened up the box to see what was inside. Freddy, I found the free gift! Uh, it's a crappy Mr. Hippo fridge magnet? Lame. This cheap plastic magnet, designed with the purple head of Mr. Hippo, was a gift nobody would ever want to receive. Mr. Hippo was one of those mascots that were universally hated. He didn't even have a section of the pizza box dedicated to him. But unfortunately, Mr. Hippo may exactly be what Gregory needs, at least in this form. Depending on how strong the magnet is and how cheap the terminal was, given its phasm entertainment, the odds were in his favor for the latter, he might be able to scramble the machine to at least spit out his ticket. In the best case scenario, he might even be able to unlock it. Gregory pocketed the magnet right as he heard the distorted voice of Glamrock Chica. He ducked behind a shelf and watched her through tinted glass. He could see her white spherical head twitching, her beak agape with a mindless expression, and she waltzed around the lobby like she was only now learning how to walk. Her weight was completely one-sided, the entirety of her body was being held up by her left foot and her legs buckled into one another, her steps continuously crisscrossing across the black and white tiles like a zombie attempting to stay upright. Despite her capability of speech, her motions and behaviors were far from that of a human or a robot. I smell pizza. Her hunger in particular reminded Gregory more of a starving raccoon than the hen she was supposed to be based on. The moment something noxious or grotesque entered into her sight, she was drawn to it like a moth to light. Another epiphany sparked inside Gregory. Looking back at the checkout counter, he quickly maneuvered his way to the cash drawer and dug out some change from it. 
If this thing operated on zombie movie logic, perhaps the best method of defense would be the cliches. Gregory made his way back up to the second floor, easily avoiding the patrol bot again, and tried to locate where Chica was. She was currently keeping an eye out around the Freddy statue. If he were to try and enter the help center, either directly or indirectly through the stairwell, she would have a clear view of him at the terminal, and this time, there was no security gate to stop her. The only way to not get caught was to draw her away from the first floor. So with a handful of quarters in his fist, he darted to the closest rocket ride. The nearest one was next to the elevators on the back of the wall by the daycare entrance. He put a coin in, illuminating a green blinking go button and pressed it down. The machine began to pour a ruckus of retro sci-fi music and mechanical jittering loud enough to echo across the empty lobby. Despite the obnoxious noise, Greta could still feel Chica's attention turn his way through the tremor of her heavy footsteps as she made her way up the stairs of the lobby. Before she could spot him, Gregory was able to sprint to the fastpad and retrace his steps back to the upgrade terminal using the stairwell. Running as fast as he could, he was eventually able to make it to the help desk. Taking a quick peek outside, he could see the white plastic feathers on Chica's head peeking out just above the railings on the second floor. His distraction had worked, and while she continued to investigate up there, he would have free reign to do as he wished on the first floor. Going up to the upgrade terminal, he pulled out the awful Mr. Hippo magnet and slapped it onto there with all his might. The machine made a small clicking sound, not soon before an error message popped up on the screen. The small, helpy mascot had a look of concern on his face. Yes! The magnet scrambled the machine! Helpy, who was once waving his hand on the miniscreen, had now fallen on the ground and couldn't get up. And the screen began to grow fuzzy. Square pixels of various distorted colors began to appear across the image. A few seconds later, and the machine barked out a new ticket for him. But it wasn't an entrance pass. Nor another lobby pass. Oh man, now it's some kind of daycare pass? That is great news. I will meet you in the daycare. The entrance is on the second floor balcony. Of course it was. As Gregory shook his head, his eyes rested on the entrance pass. His gaze settled on the playful depictions of a sun and moon mascot printed on the card. They were most likely the mascots of this particular area, much like Monty and Roxy had been the focal characters that embodied their respective domains. Just as he looked up, Chica began her descent on the stationary escalators. With a wistful smile, Gregory tucked the ticket safely away, knowing that his next destination awaited him. He retraced his steps to the backroom stairwell, eager to leave the lobby and embrace a new change of scenery. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is an incredible mobile game that lets you take command of your own team of your favorite Marvel superheroes and villains to take on interdimensional threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse in an action-packed turn-based squad-tactic RPG extravaganza. Embark on an extensive campaign, completing challenging missions as you fight your way through the expansive Marvel Universe, collect valuable loot, enhance the powers of your favorite characters, and level up to acquire new gear, unlock formidable attacks and abilities, and customize your characters with costumes inspired by the most infamous storylines. Did that get your attention? As we speak, Marvel Strike Force is celebrating its six-year anniversary. But here's the real kicker. New users signing up through our link and using the promo code MAXPOOL get an exclusive treat. You'll instantly add the Merc with the Mouth Deadpool to your roster, complete with character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, and gear. Also, please note that these sponsorships help support the production and the hours we put into creating content for you. So downloading this game, using the link in the description, and giving it a try would help out this podcast immensely. The game is free, and using the code MAXPOOL gets you a ton of free starting loot, so you got nothing but to gain for giving the game a try right now. Thank you once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. As the door to the lobby closed behind Gregory, the entrance hall to the daycare presented itself to him. If Gregory had known better, he could have been convinced that he had somehow been transported back to his middle school. The great concrete walls the Pizza Plex had resided, now his four-wall enclosure was made of red and black bricks that wouldn't look out of place in an old brick house school. The usual floor tiles of black and white were replaced with sleek, stylized granite, shaded black with gray veins crisscrossing along the granite slab. There were some lingering decals of the Pizza Plex still present, 
The usual bright neon rails of various colors remained, horizontally flowing down the hallway and climbing vertically up the pristine support columns. Neon hues of hot pink and aqua blue bounced off the granite floor and up towards the celestial ceiling, decorated to look like a starry, silent night. As Gregory moved through the corridor, he found himself captivated by its unique blend of elements. It felt like a fusion of a schoolhouse, an observatory, and a retro mall all in one. The corridor's centerpiece was a grand silver granite fountain adorned with tall, hard plastic palm trees. Glass partitions, seamlessly integrated into the walls, concealed spotlights that cast cones of light, illuminating the charming chalk artwork adorning the rustic surfaces. Amongst the captivating designs, one motif stood out, cartoon renditions of a sun and moon character. Gregory's face wrinkled. Clowns. Both characters were dressed in jester attire, reminiscent of the King's Fool. Their outfits matched, yet contrasted. The son's theatrical attire was orange and yellow, with bright stripes across his body. Conversely, the moon's attire was more of a muted dark and pale blue, with white stars across his baggy pants and the addition of a small nightcap he wore on his head. Gregory had enough problems as it was, what with dodging Pizzaplex security and avoiding dangerous robots trying to do who knows what to him. So far, he has been successful. And what does he get as a reward for being captured thus far? Animatronic clowns. Call him Rabbit's Foot because he seems to be infected with particularly good luck while trapped in here. Reaching the end of the corridor, Gregory found himself faced with another garage door shutter blocking his path. Unlike the ones in Rockstar Row or in the utility tunnels, this shutter had a unique design on it. It was painted in various hues of blue, cascading across it almost like waves. In the middle of the shutter was an orange sun, slowly being eclipsed by a crescent moon. Seems like they were going all out with the sun and moon theme. Gregory pulled out his daycare pass and held it up to the colorful shutter. The door jerked, recognizing his presence and acknowledging his right to enter. Slowly, it began to rise. As it did so, the dimly lit corridor Gregory stood in was steadily engulfed by a bright luminescence flooding out behind the rising shutter. Gregory raised a palm to his face as he walked forward into the luminous void. It felt like going outside after being concealed from sunlight for a prolonged period of time. His eyes instinctively wanted to be sealed tight, and he had to fight to keep them open for just a millisecond. Fortunately, Gregory was beginning to develop some excellent survival instincts. If he couldn't rely on his sight, he would rely on his other senses. As he walked forward, he focused on his feet. Gone was the taggy, expensive marble flooring and the tiles that he once stood on. His eyes were now standing on shaggy carpet. He inhaled, taking in a breath filled with the aroma of sickly sweet candy. His nose pricked up at the other colorful smells as well. Crayons, chocolates, and Play-Doh. His eyes gradually adjusted to his surroundings. He gingerly withdrew his hands, allowing himself to take in the room that enveloped him. Looking around, he deduced he must have been in a waiting room of sorts for the daycare. Scattered throughout were petite chairs and small tables, perfectly sized for preschool children each littered with a collection of crayons and unfinished drawings that only a child could discern the meaning of. Along the walls, he could spot small cubbies in a variety of bright colors, some still safeguarding forgotten shoes and toys left behind by their youthful owners. Large plaster screens adorned the walls of the room, displaying advertisements for sunny drop and moon drop candies, using the sun and moon mascots respectively. The candies themselves looked like wrapped bonbons or gumballs, nothing too eye-catching really. Strangely, however, the Moon Candy advertisement tagline boasted it as Sleepy Time Candy. A curious contradiction, Gregory thought, unless Phasma Entertainment is tricking toddlers into covertly eating melatonin supplements. As his eyes fully adjusted to the dominating brightness, Gregory was finally able to look forward, where he saw a small rise platform ahead of him. It was similar in appearance to the ones in Rockstar Row, where raised cylinders displayed the golden statues of the glam rock band. Tilting his head up, he looked into the glimmering statue, shoes that looked like genie lamps, baggy pants with a small tutu at the waist, and its arms raised high as if praising the sun, and the face of the sculpture was of a vibrant, smiling sun. 
As Gregory strolled past the ostentatious and somewhat perturbing statue, he approached a walkway demarcated by glass partitions. Peering through the transparent barriers, he caught a glimpse of the colossal wonderland that was the superstar daycare. His entrance consisted of a slide where apathetic employees sent children tumbling into an expansive ball pit moat encircling a magnificent cardboard play castle. Within the castle's courtyard, a multitude of play structures awaited, enticing younger kids to spend their days wriggling through vibrant, multicolored tunnels, scaling intricate net formations, and darting across the cushioned floors with unrestrained joy. Gregory smiled and suppressed an urge to laugh. Call his sense of humor morbid, but one could argue the entire daycare was structured to be a small mental institution for unwitting, energetic kindergartners. The cushioned floor, despite its blue and green plastic coating, bore an uncanny resemblance to those cushioned rooms you've seen in Asylum. Surrounding the daycare were tinted glass partitions, decorated with whimsical cloud cutouts, while a colossal net stretched up from the top of the glass wall to the ceiling, where dozens of sun and moon-shaped balloons hung forlornly around a similar number of massive lucent light fixtures. Gregory frowned. Being abandoned, stuck, and feeling like you are slowly falling to your inevitable demise, it was an experience Gregory understood all too well. Next to the entrance slide, behind the check-in counter, Gregory could see a whiteboard displaying a roster of various parties and events that took place today. Parents and friends celebrating with one another in one of the party rooms that circled the daycare on the elevated walkway. Being there for one another. Supporting one another. Protecting one another. Gregory peered over the railings of the lobby to search for the security desk. His face immediately dropped to a frown once he located it. Of course, of course, it was inside the superstar daycare. On the opposite end where the slide entrance was, a small alcove with the bright colors and cartoony imagery of the daycare abated into a more natural-looking office setting. Gregory looked to his side and groaned. With the walkway locked off, the only way to the security desk was the direct approach he would have to go inside the daycare. He kept taking various glances at his surroundings while taking his tentative steps toward the swirling tube, a tube that led to the small prison meant to trap children until their parents bailed them out. He was desperate for some alternative, or any reason really, to not go into that rainbow-filled hellhole. Eventually, he realized there was no other alternative but to face it. Best to get it over with it as fast as possible. He cautiously positioned his feet inside the slide, gripping the sides of it to ready himself. With a deep breath setting himself, he released his grip, giving himself to the slide. Once he reached the end, the momentum of the slide propelled him into the vast expanse of plastic balls. The impact of his ungraceful dive caused an explosion of multicolored spheres, launching in unpredictable directions. Regaining his footing, Gregory's head barely breached the surface of the sea of colors, as he slowly trudged through the moat of plastic balls. Gregor was surprised at how much effort it took to maneuver through the massive ball pit. The weight of the balls wasn't the problem, it was just the sheer amount of them. When Gregory had first landed into the pit, he was firmly planted on his backside, completely enveloped by the balls and concealed from the outside world. The ball pit was so deep that somebody could easily hide a body within its depths. Gregory abruptly halted his progress momentarily snapping out of his morbid train of thought as the distinct sound of machine activating reached his ears. He found himself on the verge of stepping into the heart of the ball pit lake, just before the small carpet shore that marked the transition to the main plush flooring of the daycare. From there, he would have had a direct path to the security desk. The noise of shifting gears and tickling parts, reminiscent of an ancient mechanical clock, resonated from above. Resonated from above. Gregory instinctively directed his gaze upward, his eyes landing on a small balcony connected to the Grand Cardboard Castle. In a split second of scanning the area, his eyes locked onto the source of the peculiar sound. A figure emerged, clad in red and orange baggy pants with a hint of a red skirt, executing a flamboyant theatrical turn before fully facing Gregory. As their eyes met, Gregory beheld the countenance of a beaming sun. 
the lanky figure put its hands together and bent its knees, and in one fluid motion, the machine jumped up in the air, swan diving into the ball pit, directly into the center of the colorful pit, directly ahead of where Gregory needs to go. Gregory panicked and frozen in place, attempted to look for any movement in the ball pit, any rustle, any slight change in the multicolored spheres, but not a single ball moved out of place. He took a single step forward. The sun picked up Gregory up by the shoulders and held him up to his eye level. New friends, you're sure up late. Are we having a slumber party? Where are all your friends? Gregory attempted to break free, but the sun's metal grip was unbudging. Strangely enough, the sun's grip was strong, but not painful. His hands were smooth and soft, and he handled Gregory gently like an object he was afraid to break. He stopped fighting its grasp. Was it not going to hurt him? The sun cheerfully strolled out of the ball pit moat and onto the shore, gently placing Gregory down in a chair meant for someone half his age. We can finger paint, tell stories, drink fizzy pass until our heads explode and then stay up all night! There is only one rule! Keep the lights on. On. Well, if he wasn't going to hurt him, he was definitely still crazy. Then again, if Gregory had to deal with this stupid song playing on the loudspeakers over and over again and attempt to keep toddlers entertained 24-7, he would be irritable at night as well. Maybe not on the brink of a mental breakdown like the sun here, but I guess he deserves a little respect. Hey, hey, are you having fun yet? Are ya? Are ya? Gregory didn't say a word. He had no idea what was going to trigger this thing and simply observed his behavior. It stood over him, slightly bending its legs to not completely towel over him. Its arms opened to non-verbally communicate he meant no harm. Its arms and head swayed in the air-conditioned wind, drifting to whatever inner melody was playing on repeat inside of it. Gregory went to stand up, pushing the taller chair away with unintended force, accidentally causing a tower of building blocks to topple behind him. Oh no, no, no! Gregory swiftly stepped aside as the sun hurried past him, fixated on the wreckage of the toy tower. In a frenzied state, the sun fiercely attempted to restore order, meticulously examining each block and painstakingly reconstructing the tower to match its original pattern. Gregory felt bad at the sun animatronic, and it apparently had some weird phobia of things being out of place or unclean. He didn't even know you could program something like that into robots. However, his task wasn't to appease the animatronics, it was to escape them. And to do that, he needed to get that security badge and back to Glamrock Freddy. Gregory sprinted to the security desk on the other end of the daycare, passing under the rope bridge of the two jungle gym playgrounds on his way there. The security desk was like a checkout counter of a hotel, with the only outlier being the exit door being a literal gateway to a kingdom. The exit door was like an entrance to a castle, large wooden doors with black circular metal handles. However, Gregory could already tell that those handles probably wouldn't budge the door if pulled on without some form of pass or security clearance. Easily making his way behind the counter, Gregory began going through the desk to find some form of security badge. Gregory looked up. The sun was looking back at him from the now reconstructed toy tower. It started to skip over to him much faster than Gregory could ever hope to run. Gregory clicked his search, tossing away anything that could be hiding any form of security clearance. He scanned the desk, his eyes locked on a small furry head without his top hat, and instead it was replaced with his security hat. Gregory pressed the black button nose, the head clicked with a small honk as the mouse slowly unhinged, revealing the security badge he was looking for. Without a second thought, Gregory swiped the badge and was ready to make another run for it. But with no cue or any form of warning, the entire daycare went dark. Gregory's vision, which was once filled with light, was now enveloped in blackness. Using the monitors on the security desk, he tried to find some form of light source. Luckily, a small compartment on the back wall had a flashlight recharge station, and someone had forgotten to take their flashlight out. Gregory took the torch, turning it off and on to test if it's still functioning. Happening with its condition, he turned to leave before stumbling back in shock. Whoa, 
The sun was right behind him, lording over him by standing on the lip of the security desk. No! No! Why would you do that? Lights on! Lights on! I warned you! I warned you! The sun's entire body began to twitch and convulse in on itself. Its iron grip was locked on its disc face, holding on tight as it squealed and groaned what sounded like a twisted agony. Gregory didn't understand what was going on. Did he do this? Or did someone turn the lights off? Before he could answer any of those questions, the sun stumbled backwards, all of its motion seemingly cut off. It fell back hard, and he could hear the sound of expensive electronics buzz and beep at the moment of impact. Gregory felt fear begin to crawl up his back. He shined his flashlight where the sun had previously been standing, and saw a blue-tipped hand grip on the edge. Naughty boy. Rising from behind the desk, a menacing-looking face of a crescent moon was smiling at him. Two beady red eyes stared back at him as it gripped another hand on the surface of the desk. Gregory took a fearful step back. It's past your bedtime. You must be punished. The moon leapt up onto the desk in a single bound. It was an exact mirror of the sun, except silver and black with blue highlights. Its striped jester pants were now covered in golden stars, and the rays of the sun were gone, and on his head he wore a sleeping cap. This was what the sun was warning him about. Just like the sun being eclipsed by the moon on the shutter door, when the light goes out, the moon takes over. A hook came down from above and swiftly lashed on the back of Moon. The Moon once again leapt upward, soaring high into the air. Gregory followed the Moon's ascent, but the entire ceiling was now a more ethereal version of the ceiling in the entry hallway. The air above Gregory was now filled with golden stars and transcendent comets across the celestial canvas. The perfect camouflage for the Moon to disappear into the starry night above. Find the emergency backup generators and turn them on. They are in the play structures. Gregory twirled around the now dusklit daycare. The once bright expanse was now a shadow of happier times. Before, the environment used to be warm and loud, but now Gregory felt his hair stand up from the air's colder touch. And every footstep he made now created an echo that bounced around the room. The play structures were unrecognizable as children's jungle gyms, instead now looked like a small little labyrinth to be trapped in. Gregory wanted to try the large door next to the secure desk, but he knew it wouldn't budge if the entire area needed power. The only way to find the backup generators was to go inside those plastic netted tombs. With a heavy sigh and a spark of courage, Gregory began to approach the first jungle gym to his left. Finding a small alcove entrance, he started to climb up the plastic cushioned stairs, moving as silently as possible. Above him, he could hear the sound of the moon cackling to himself. He could have grabbed Gregory when he first transformed, but he was playing with his food. It was no fun if he didn't see Gregory suffer in panic before he died. But not tonight, Gregory thought. He'll survive. He'll stay alive. He just had to keep moving. He just had to keep outsmarting them. He just had to keep running up the clock until he could see the rising sun of a new dawn. Reaching the third floor of the jungle gym, if you could call it that, Gregory almost tripped on a thick wire coming from a netted wall. He leaned against the netting to follow the wire, and saw it originating from a pair of floodlights hanging on one of the standing pillars keeping the playground up. The trail kept leading him to go higher and higher up the playground until he eventually reached the top floor, where the cable led to a small space on top where a toddler barricade was erected to hide the generator. Gregory rushed over to it, and swept his eyes over it looking for a way to turn it on. He found a small lever and turned it giving a small chuckle of satisfaction when he heard the generator begin to hum. Gregory shined his flashlight around and saw a second cable driven from the generator, cascading down to the bottom floor. Once again pushing himself against the net, he was able to see the cables leading to the bottom floor where a second entrance to the jungle gym could be found. Looking to his left, Gregory saw a blue slide. Crab walking over to it, he took it down face first. Once he reached the bottom, he left pushing his hands against the bottom and immediately getting to his feet. He scattered his flashlight across his surroundings, trying to spot where the moon was stalking him, but he couldn't see him anywhere. 
but he could still hear his sinister laugh. He was watching him from above somewhere. Going under the daycare didn't take long for Gregory to find a second generator and turn it on. From outside the place structure, Gregory could see the floodlights beam of safety before he turned them on. Looking at his surroundings, he couldn't see any more cables that led anywhere he hadn't gone before in the place structure he was in. But he could see them in the one across from him. With cautious steps, Gregory ventured out of the place structure, brandishing his flashlight to penetrate the enveloping darkness. Moving stealthily, he passed me the rope bridge that linked the two place structures. His gaze searched the abstract ceiling, but locating the moon proved elusive amidst the unconventional expanse. The stars and flickering lights on the ceilings seemed to float like fragments drift on a boundless black ocean. The mesmerizing display defied singular focus, creating an oddly soothing motion. As Gregory concentrated his vision, he could see some stars that shifted both in size and shape. A particular cluster of stars caught his attention, perpetually expanding across the simulated night sky. Straining his eyes, he realized the cluster moved in unison drawing near to him as he approached the edge of the lower entrance to the second playground. He raised his flashlight toward the cluster. He uncovered the smiling crescent moon, who emitted another cackle at being discovered. The children must be punished. He was flying on a hook attached to a rope on the ceiling, similar to what you would see on a stage show. He was swimming across the night sky like Peter Pan, flying gritchly across the ceiling and ready to pounce on Gregory so he could enjoy the view and most likely, returned to the ground just as fast as he got up there. How do you hide? Hide away. Panicked, Gregory ran at the playpen, the echoing sound of the moon's mechanical joints growing louder as he rushed in. He deduced that the layout of the generators would be the same as the previous structure, one at the top, another at the bottom. His current path is leading him up a twisting plastic staircase, following another cable trail that was zip-tied to the upper netting walls. Moon's red eyes lurked in his peripheral vision, closing in with alarming speed. Reaching the pinnacle of the place structure, a generator waited. Flicking the switch, he searched for a slide to provide him with a swift escape, but was dismayed to find no exit available to him. His eyes darted around the room, spotting a narrow opening that he could squeeze through, leading to the second floor of the structure. With determination, he sucked in his gut and skillfully wriggled through the opening. To his surprise, Another generator awaited him in the room. He hastily activated it, yet the facility remained shrouded in darkness. Its light stubbornly refused to illuminate. There had to be one more at the bottom of this structure. Turning around, he saw the rope bridge span ahead of him. <laughs> and the moon waiting there for him. The starry night gesture was hopping between the two ends of the bridge, effortlessly maintaining balance on one foot on each end. He was taunting Gregory. He knew he had one generator left, and leaping off the bridge would be his fastest way down. Gregory took his chance and threw himself over the bridge, landing on his sides and dropping his flashlight as a result. The moon followed him down, dropping expertly on all fours and began to crawl towards him in a prowl stance. Gregory pulled himself up and kept following the wires below the play structure. He knew the moon was a robot and devoid of all life, but he still felt its breath on his neck. Glancing back, he could see it's moving towards him like a hungry spider ready to dine on a fly caught in its web. Gregory felt his adrenaline go into overdrive. He ignored the tying in his legs and kept pushing himself forward, curving his movements expertly at every single twist and turn of the play structure. The fingertips of the moon briefly touched the back of his shirt every other second. Soon he found himself cornered, but the generator he was looking for was trapped with him. He dove forward, hand reaching out towards the lever, his hands grazing it slightly but the force was just enough. The lever moved with his hands freely, generating clunking as it turned on. He closed his eyes as he hit the ground and all his senses were dulled, but he could feel the warmth and room return. He reopened his eyes, looking back to where the moon had just been. He was no longer present, but neither was the darkness. The daycare had once again returned to its natural bright ambience. Gregory caught his breath, picking himself up slowly, taking the small moment he could to enjoy this moment. 
took a large inhale as if breathing in fresh air of a new day. The same sickly sweet scent of candy was still present, but he didn't mind it this time. Gregory walked out of the place structure, picking up his flashlight that he dropped, and brushing off some imaginary dust off of it. As he turned to leave, he felt his feet fly off the ground, and their gentle grip on his waist. Rulebreaker, Rulebreaker! You are banned from the daycare! The son had returned and gotten a hold of him, picking him up and putting his face directly in his. His voice was just as eccentric as before, but his jovial attitude was never placed in an accusatory tone. He led him to the massive doorway leading out of the daycare. It clicked open automatically, whether recognizing Gregory's security badge or the sun somehow unlocking it by some wireless means, he couldn't tell, but before he could realize what was going on, Sun literally threw him out of the daycare by chucking him out of his arms. He looked up to the walkie that encircled the daycare and spotted the Glamrock band reacting to Sun's voice. Minus Freddy, who was already rushing down the stairs as fast as he could to reach Gregory. Gregory, jump in! We need to get out of here now! They have found you! Gregory didn't hesitate. Freddy got down on one knee and opened his chest compartment. Gregory quickly dove in and tucked his legs in as Freddy stood up and closed his chest. Gregory looked at his fast watch to see from Freddy's eyes. He was looking back at the rest of the Glamrock band who were descending down the stairs, seemingly confused and lost as to where Gregory had gone. None of them seemingly suspected that Freddy was hiding him. In fact, none of them even seemed to register Freddy much at all. He passed by Chica and Roxy when he went up the stairs, neither asking him a question or giving him a suspicious look. And do not worry, they cannot find you while we are together. Gregory smiled. Apparently he was right about the Zama reference earlier with Chica. As Freddy observed them from up the stairs, Greg could see them dumbfounded if they tried to look for him. All of a sudden, the lights went out again. Gregory was confused. Did the generators run out of battery that fast? Freddy too seemed concerned. He could feel the change in his body stands. We are almost out of time. We need to get to a recharge station immediately. Every hour the power is diverted to the recharge stations. When that happens, the lights go out, and when that happens, the daycare attendant is free to roam the building. It will find you. As if on cue, Freddy looked behind him and saw the moon, whom Freddy now revealed was called the daycare attendant. He crawled up on the walls instead of the stairs and did an acrobatic flip landing on his hands in a perfect handstand. He laughed menacingly as he began to come toward and rotate his legs, circling his entire body like the hands on a clock going around its face. Gregory saw those familiar beady red eyes, but they weren't looking at Freddy. At least, not directly. Knock, knock. <laughs> Gregory felt his mouth go dry. He was looking at Freddy's chest. He was staring at Gregory. He knew. He knew where he was hiding. Somehow, unlike all the others, he could tell that Freddy was hiding him. Freddy must have realized this as well, as without missing a beat, Freddy quickly turned back around towards the entrance of the daycare, sprinting faster than Greg could have ever dreamed to run. As he ran past the various party rooms of the walkway, the locked-up pathway of the walkway reacted to Gregory's security pass and automatically unlocked, allowing Freddy to keep moving without breaking his pace. Reaching the blue shutter once again, rising ever so slowly, but eventually enough that it allowed Freddy to move underneath it. Freddy returned his gaze to the hallway in front of him. Focusing on a recharge station, Gregory had passed on his way to the daycare. He ran towards it and entered into it, locking it from inside. Gregory had a momentary thought of radiation poison from being inside, the equivalent of a giant battery charger, but thought against it given the alternatives. A moment of silence fell between the two of them, only broken by the slight hum of the recharge station. That was until a high-pitched ringing started picking up in Gregory's ears. At first, it was barely noticeable, but it kept growing louder and louder. Gregory looked at his fast watch. It was heavily distorted and was now filled with crimson light. It was difficult to see anything, but he was still able to ascertain a new object coming into frame. A white, feminine figure with rabbit ears skipping across the daycare entrance. She had a small little acrobatic cartwheel in front of the fountain in the center of the hallway. She was wearing a bright blue bow tie, and her hands and feet had pink paw pads and stitching across them. 
Her head was that of a smiling bunny with buck teeth and a long pair of twisted whiskers. She had a pair of large glowing red eyes, wishing to be the focal points of where all the strange distortion was coming from. She didn't seem to notice Freddy as she continued down the hallway, eventually leaving the principal in the view, the sound that shut out door to the daycare opening and closing soon after. What was that? That is a fountain. A fountain is a decorative reservoir used for discharging water. Not the fountain. You didn't see the dancing rabbit lady right in front of us? No, I did not. There is no rabbit at the Mega Pizza Plex. Not anymore. This is crazy. It's like the whole place is trying to get me. I am not. Why? I do not know. I want to help you. Maybe they want to help you too. I doubt it. For some reason, you're different. Thus ends tonight's program of Into the Night. How will Gregory continue to evade the Glamrock Band? Why is Freddy so protective over Gregory? And who was that creepy white rabbit that Gregory saw? All that and more next time on Into the Night. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast, joining our Discord, checking out our merch store, or supporting us on our Patreon using the links in the description as well. I have been your host, Nick, and I would like to thank you all for once again listening. Have a good night, and drive home safe.